You know not what hour your Lord doth come. That's obviously, an allu- I believe it's an allusion to the rapture. There's different views on this thing. I sure love Chuck Missler. I love all the Bible studies he did. Uh, I love that he dedicated his life to not only the scriptures and all the weird things, he really loved the Lord. And when I heard him say that he believed that this passage alludes to the rapture, my ears perked up. And then he just moves right on. Why didn't you tell us more? Well, thank you for joining me today. I'd like to explain to you from the scriptures how Chuck could confidently say that he believes that this passage alludes to the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Join us on this study of Jesus' pre-tribulation instructions in Matthew 24. Uh, Here's what I heard. This was a a discussion between a... um a Russian military guy and Chuck Missler, who's, uh, right. who's, a, who's a Christian. I love Chuck Missler. All right. Hello. And the subject of this video is going to be the rapture, and the rapture specifically in Matthew 24. And the reason I bring this up, as a guy who loved to study, I would, I would listen to Chuck Missler, and he would bring up these crazy things, and you're like, that's fascinating, that's so cool. And I'm listening to Chuck Missler, and he says, as he's going through Matthew 24, And he gets to verse about 42, I think it is. And he says, oh, and that's the rapture. And you go, that's it? You just move on? You see, because I'd read John Gill or other commentaries that you have available to you, and they go, this is not the rapture. The people who are swept away or carried away, it's the sinners at the end of the age and the judgment. And that's just it. And so this video a little bit is about my journey in going from what I had read and what I'd been taught to breaking it down and saying, what do I believe? Can I read the scriptures? Can I look at the Greek? Can I look at the Hebrew in the Old Testament and find places that confirm that the rapture is in Matthew 24? And yes, we can. And this is the journey into this story. So thank you for joining me. So like I say, I had this need. I wanted to know for myself what the Bible says um, because there's different presuppositions. If someone's reading the Bible from, uh, let's say, a preterist view or an allegorical view, they'll take what they've been taught and make the scriptures fit that. Now, uh, honestly, I have a bias. I believe that there's a rapture. But if there's a rapture where Jesus is going to come in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, and he's going to snatch his bride out of here and, and bring us home to him in heaven for the duration of the seven-year period of the tribulation or longer, wouldn't you think that Jesus would talk about it? And I'm going to, over these next videos, I'm going to show us two places where Jesus does do this. But I had a need. I wanted to find this out, but I had a struggle. I'm a uh, father of five. Uh, I love my wife. I love to spend as much time with her as I can. I labor outside of the church. I have a more than full-time job. And then I also have a church that I study every Sunday for and every Wednesday. And so I'm, I'm already set in a pattern of things I'm doing. So to take extra amounts of time to study out just the rapture, that's a, that's a big challenge. You mock my pain. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. So as time went on, Sunday by Sunday, studying the scriptures, reading the Bible, that I got a better foundation of everything underneath my belt. Now, I'd never run across anything that totally taught me uh, that the rapture is not in Matthew 24, but I hadn't run across anything just 
just more trusted modern teachers saying, I believe this is the rapture in Matthew 24. Well, I don't speak Greek and I don't have access to any great theologians. So over time, I accumulated my own Greek dictionaries, Hebrew dictionaries, and the different tools it takes. And I use these to study out what I've come to believe about the rapture. Now, the sad part in this whole thing is I started this journey 15 years ago. <laughs> Pastor Chuck Smith, he used to say, when you're reading the Bible and you don't understand something today, just make a file in your head that says needs more information. And so this is one of those things that was on the forefront of my mind all the time as I was reading the scriptures. And over a 15 year period of time, I finally came around to the circumstances where I was able to study this out. So in teaching through the scriptures, it was time for me to hit the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. And other than being blown away by the superiority of Jesus Christ over every other son who is mentioned in the in the Old Testament, and just this specific magnitude of, uh, of wonder that is placed on Jesus in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, I, I finished chapter 1 and I, I said to myself, oh no, I only have 23 more chapters to go before I'm at the Olivet Discourse, before I'm at this place where I have to be able to answer for myself, what do I believe about this? You see, you can go read a commentary, you can listen to a sermon, and you can parrot what other men have said. And I believe this is one of the problems that we have with this passage of Scripture. People just parrot what they've heard. I wanted to compare Scripture to Scripture, pray about the Scripture, think about the Scripture. What does this actually mean in the context of what the Lord is saying? He's telling people in Matthew 24 about His coming and His uh, when, when will be the time of your coming and the end of the age? And so this is a really big subject. And of course, Calvary Chapel, we're pre-tribulation, uh, pre-millennial. We, we're futurists and believing that most of biblical prophecy happens in the future. And so this is, a, this, this is important for our lives today. And so this began my journeys. Now for me, there was a few different places in the scriptures where I've been taught about the rapture, or I've wondered if this could be a rapture scripture. And if you've subscribed, you've seen a couple of those videos already of the rapture in an uncommon place. And so I wanted to take time. So once we got to Matthew 24, I slowed it way down and I went bite by bite by bite and then overlapped those bites. And so we ate a lot of scripture in Matthew 24 just to make sure that I personally really understood what I was teaching. And in all of my studies, God did not let me down. I believe that I found a pattern of words in the Greek being used that have synonyms in the Hebrew, and they point back to the flood passage, speaking about Noah. So the context of Matthew 24 in question is about Noah. And so I felt like I can prove this. I can go to the Strong's, I can go to the Greek, I can present this out, and I could give you a, a video and show you the Strong's numbers and the Greek words and the context and all of these things, and you'd click right off. So I was depressed. I was like, how do I get this point across? Because the rapture is, as I've said before, is an integral part of biblical doctrine, and it is a future of the church. We're going to meet the Lord in the air, and it's a purifying doctrine. How can I help the church to be pure? And so I'd watched a video, and it pointed out that storytelling is the way to do it. I thought to myself, I'm not a storyteller. My life is so busy, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even remember my stories. Hey, I have a funny story. It, uh, oh, I forgot the punchline. Oh, well. 
So I was bummed out. I was just defeated. I thought I'm just going to take time and present this, this information and people are going to see it and they're going to click and go right on by. And then I remembered the story form. And I remembered something else. In a past life, not reincarnation, just 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Wow, I'm getting old. I was a photographer. I know how to use a camera. And I thought to myself, hey, let's make this into a story. So I am really glad that you joined me. And the reason I want to make it a story is because doctrine is life-changing. And if you'll stick with it, if you'll stay with the end of this video, you will see, uh, I feel, beyond the shadow of a doubt, as much as you can about prophetic scriptures, you'll see that Jesus is talking about the rapture in Matthew 24. And so what that does for us, Paul the Apostle says, as I received from the Lord, when he's talking about the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when did Paul receive this from the Lord? Well, we know that everything shall be established upon the testimony of two or three scriptures. So he needed to hear it not only from John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you and where I go, you know, and the way you go. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I go there that you may be with me, right? Jesus is going to heaven. He's going to take us before the millennium and I believe before the tribulation so we can be with him in heavenly places. That's really short nutshell. But he also says it in Matthew 24, and he gives us an illustration of Noah and his family. And so sit back, we'll put some slides up, we'll get the scriptures going, and I'll show you where Jesus can pre-tribulation rapture instructions in Matthew 24, 38 through 42. All right, so <laughs> grab your Bibles. My wife is my camera person, and she just made me laugh. Grab your Bibles and put a finger in Matthew 24 and then also in Genesis chapter 7. All right. But before we jump into that, Matthew 24, verse 29, we have to approach presuppositions here. Matthew 24, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So now we know exactly where we're at. We're not in the signs and the birth pangs. That's a whole other study. But after the tribulation of those days, the tribulation is over. Jesus has come back with his uh, bride on, on white horses. Uh, so we already had to be in heaven. Um, and he's establishing his kingdom. It says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. This is Daniel uh, chapter 7, verse 13, when Jesus says to the religious leaders, you won't see me again until you see me coming on the clouds. And that's when they, they said he's blasphemed because he just made himself to be equal with God. The rabbis at that time taught that there was two powers, two Yahwehs in heaven in Daniel chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. And Jesus is claiming to be one of them. Ironically, they don't teach that any longer. Another story, but here we are, the sign of the Son of Man, Jesus appearing in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, we put the brakes on right here because preterism is a view of the scriptures that says that the book of Revelation was written early, in the 50s or 60s, before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. The consensus, the Roman uh, history, 
how things line up show that, and as you saw my other video, that Google AI even says that the book of Revelation was written in 95, 96 AD. But they put it on an earlier date so that the book of Revelation and what we just read in Matthew 24 was all fulfilled in 70 AD. That's the uh, Great Tribulation. That's the uh, abomination of desolation which Daniel spoke of, standing in the holy place. One, when Titus Vespasian destroyed the temple in 70 AD, he didn't have any time to set up a statue. He didn't set up an image. It's the abomination of desolation was not set up in the holy place. And as it was in the days of Maccabean, in the Maccabees, in the um, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, when the Maccabees revolted against him. But, and that's what's being illustrated. So 70 AD is not the fulfillment of this. Now, in Hebrew prophecy, there are patterns, and we will see patterns over and over again in Hebrew prophecy to get us aware of the things that we're looking at. But a preterist would say in 70 AD, that verse 29 of Matthew 24 was fulfilled. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken, and the Son of Man will be coming in the clouds. Now, I miss that. <laughs> I, I cannot concede with the Jehovah Witnesses that um, Jesus is living in an apartment in New York City uh, or anything like that. I, I forget where they say he's at now. But because I think he moved. But that's, that just can't work out. So the presupposition has to be put away, and then we have to let the Scriptures interpret the Scriptures. And I bring that out just to show that if your method of interpretation or your system falls short, don't conform the Scriptures to your system. Let your system be conformed to the Scriptures. Now, Jesus tells us that this is after the tribulation. We pick up in verse 32. And he says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. So now he's given us, he's answered the question for his disciples. Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So he gives three different signs and now he's giving more. When you use the word now, you're changing gears. You're giving something more. And I believe that Jesus here is now, he's teaching them a parable. What are parables to learn from? And it's a parable that will indicate when a time begins. So he says, now learn this because it will show when a time is beginning. So he switches gears. And I believe here he's giving instructions on the pre-tribulation rapture. He shifts gears and says, now learn. I believe he's speaking to the reader. Yes, to the disciples that asked the question. But I believe he's speaking to the reader just like he did in um, ab about the abomination of desolation. Let him who hears, let him understand. So this is written to us. So you, learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender, it puts forth leaves. You know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, when you see all the signs, then you know that it is near at the doors. We'll have to go into the parable of the fig tree and the explanation of that at another time. But he gave that, and I believe that the fig tree represents national Israel. And so in Israel's national identity, um, oh, there's so much I want to talk about. Israel's nat national identity is represented by the fig tree, and their spiritual identity by the vine, and, and uh, there's also uh, the olive tree. 
um, with another identification for them. But their national identity is the fig, and they became a nation again in 1948, and they're getting ready to have fruit, right? Because uh, we're getting closer and closer to Ezekiel 37 being fulfilled that the Spirit is given to them during the time of the tribulation. So learn this parable. When you see this happening, you know summer's near, even at the doors. And so Jesus is giving us a sign about an imminence. And we'll see now that he's speaking about an imminent return. He could come back at any moment. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Interpretation differences. Preterists have to say that Jesus is saying the generation that saw the temple destroyed in 70 is the temple that will see him. And so we're living in the millennium. I just can't buy that. <laughs> this does not seem like heaven on earth, right? So the generation that sees all these signs, so you, when you see all these signs, know that it's near. When we see the birth pains, when we see these different things, then we know it's near. And that generation that sees those signs will not, take, not pass away before they take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So now the, the secret side of it, only the Father knows. But as the days of Noah were, so also were the coming of the Son of Man be. So we have an assurance that this is going to be quick. In verse 42, it says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord is coming. So Jesus is making sure that we are thinking about something that could happen at any moment. And the second coming will happen seven years or so after the tribulation begins. There was seven weeks that are appointed for the people of Israel. And when uh, in Daniel 9.27, when the Antichrist, when he confirms a covenant, that is the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. You can count forward. 1,260 days and he will stand in the temple and he will present himself to be worshipped as God. And at that point, the great and terrible day of the Lord begins and then there's another time, times and half a time, three and a half years or another 1,260 days from the abomination of desolation, which Daniel spoke of when the Antichrist presents himself as, as, as their God, as their Messiah in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Um, then count forward. 1260 days and that's when Jesus is coming back. It's that clear and and he intends it to be that clear because the revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It is the apocalypse, apocalypsis of Jesus Christ, his disclosure. So, that day or hour no man knows. So, that's different than the second coming. Just like the rapture is different than his second coming. We meet him in the air in the rapture and the second coming we come with him and put our feet on the ground. But check this out. Jesus will say, he'll give this illustration for us now. Be watchful, be looking, and here's an illustration. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. This is the uh, third time that the, the word coming has been used in this passage. It's parousia, the Greek word, and it can mean presence. So the very presence of the Lord will be like this. It will be like the days of Noah. Now, bless their heart. Dr. Mike Heiser, the late Dr. Michael Heiser, uh, the late Dr. Uh, Chuck Smith, Chuck, uh, sorry, Chuck Missler, 
they, when you'd talk about this, they'd go, Genesis chapter 6, the days of Noah, that the thoughts of the intents of men's hearts were only wicked continually. I could say that's probably the same today. Jesus tells us in, in verse 12 of this same chapter that because uh, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. The Genesis chapter 6 is telling the condition of the world in the days of Noah, that the sons of God went and saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. They went into them, they took whomever they wanted for wives, and then their offspring were Nephilim, were giants. Um, and they love to talk about that. And I do too. It's a fun subject. But that's not necessarily exactly what Jesus is talking about. Let's take a look at it again. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. And now we're going to use three different uh, words in different languages. Um, we're going to use um, A-I-R-O, ero, in the Greek. We're going to use paralambano in the Greek. And we're also going to use a cognate for um, ero in the, the Greek word. The Hebrew word is nasa. So it's really easy. Ero and nasa. Okay, these are both flying away words. I'm going to get me an arrow and I'm going to go to NASA. We can remember these, arrow and NASA. We're going to have these three words and I will show you where they show up in the text and I'll probably put a slide up here somewhere and show you there too. But of the days of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So the antecedent here is Noah entering the ark. He's talking about Noah and his family. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 7. Not the giant chapter, but the chapter where Moses actually tells us about Noah and his family. Genesis chapter 7 verse 15, and they went into the ark, Noah, two by two, excuse me, they went to Noah, two by two of all flesh, which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So does no one know what's going on? No, he's gone into the ark, and the Lord has shut him in. They don't know what's going on outside. Now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up. That Hebrew word is the Hebrew word nasah, and it rose above the earth. Now let's turn back to our Matthew 24 passage. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. So it's status quo until the day that Noah entered the ark. God brought Noah into the ark. He closed the door. It's a big boat. He didn't know what's going on and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So now in verse 39, he did not know until the flood came and took, and that's the Greek word, A-I-R-O. Arrow, we'll put that up uh, on a slide also. All right, so Strong's Greek Dictionary on the word ero, to lift up by implication, to take up or away, to raise, specifically to sail away, to weigh anchor. Noah and his family go into the boat, and as it said there, they did not know until they came and weighed anchor and took them all away. Um, so we can see that it's a very much about sailing away. And then this is the Hebraism, is the Hebrew word nasa, which 
Um, we already read, now the flood was on the earth 40 days, and the water increased and lifted up Nassau, the ark, and it rose above the earth. So, in my opinion, Jesus is not referring to Genesis chapter 6 only, but he's adding 6 and then 7 about Noah and his family, that they went into the ark, and they were lifted up, they weighed anchor, and then this goes on. It says, to expiate sin, to carry up, to remove. So, Let's look at it like that. They did not know because they were in the ark with the door closed. And the flood came and Ero took them, expiated them, weighed anchor, lifted them up away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And now he gives an illustration for us to understand that this is a global event. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. And now this is the place that all of the commentaries go, and they're taken off the judgment. Well, who's the they? In the context here, it's Noah and his family, and they, they were taken. But they, they go, okay, it's the sinful world that's taken. But where are they taken? The only group that's taken in a day when they did not know is the rapture. And here's another word, paralambano. So he just used the word taken, about the ark being took, lifted up, set sail, weighed anchor by Hebraism to expiate sin. But now he uses a different word. Then two men will be in the field. One will be paralambano and the other left. Two women will be grinding by the mill. One will be taken, paralambano, and the other left. Watch, therefore. Now, the only way this all works is if it's a watchful thing. Paralambano, the very first use of that word is in Matthew 1, uh, I think verse 27, where Joseph did not know Mary, but he came and he paralambano her as his wife. It's to take something to be with them. So to come alongside, paralambano. And so in this, the Lord says, I'm coming alongside and taking them to be with me. Noah and his family, they're expiated. You look at the context in Genesis chapter 7, verse 17, that the ark was lifted up. And so we see that those who are taken aren't the ones to judgment. They're taken instead to be with the Lord. And then he says, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And then he gives us an illustration about a wicked servant who won't watch. I think it's funny when people think, yeah, the tribulation can't be today. Anyways, but know this, that if the master of the house, now this is Chuck Missler's interpretation and I agree with it, but if the master of the house, that would be Satan, had known what hour that the thief, Jesus, Jesus says, I come as, a, he's not a thief, he's not stealing anything, but I come as a thief in the night. Be watchful, for you won't know what hour I come upon you, Revelation 16 and Revelation 3. He calls himself as a thief. So if the master of the house, Satan, had known what hour that Jesus would come, the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the one returning on the clouds, is coming at an hour that you do not expect. This tells us the Lord is coming in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. He'll show us with the apocalypsis, the revelation, things we can be watching for. He shows us in Matthew 24 and Luke 17 and Mark chapter 13, some signs that we can be seeing. And that major sign, my friends, is Israel as a nation, the fig tree 
regathered together as national Israel, 1948, and the generation that sees all these things shall not pass away. So what's that tell me? It tells us that the Lord is He's near. He is ready to come and get His bride. Things are just so ready and ripe for the tribulation. That's another video, but I would encourage you today, and if you made it this far, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you've made it this far, please do click the like, the subscribe, leave a comment, call me a heretic, and we'll talk about it online because that's just the best place to air out your laundry. I don't really think so. Anyways, I'm just joking about that. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me, and have a great day.